Welcome. Welcome to Conversations in Compassion, a podcast by Dignity Maine, a program of Agape, and made possible by the contributions to Agape. Thank you. This is a different podcast. Instead of interviews, we have conversations. This is my attempt to demonstrate examples of what I call compassionate conversation. Through these conversations, I hope to address the discord in our families, in our communities, and in ourselves. And finally, to focus on the greatest need of our time, the need for compassion. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. And uh, first, I, I'm going to tell our audience that this is a surprise uh, conversation. Uh, as you know, these are about called Conversations in Compassion. And I don't know much about your story, and we've just uh, met in this room in terms of engineering, and you've done a wonderful job. I decided that we'd stop and just ask you, tell me about you. About me. Well, first of all, thank you for the wonderful surprise conversation. Mm. I uh, had every intention to sit behind the board and be and be uh, entertained and informed by a conversation between you and someone else. So thank you. You're welcome. Um, about me, I am uh, a semi-retired television professional. Mm-hmm. I've been living in Portland, Maine for the past nine years. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's the outside professional stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would say I am a uh, middle-aged, which surprises me to hear myself say it out loud, uh, man who is... uh, Enjoying growing up. Mm. It's almost like you're in the second half of your life. It certainly feels that way. And on so many levels, I feel as though I'm still in my early 20s. Mm. Um, And I find myself maturing these Mm. days. It feels very different, like you're uh, growing new skin or... Sort of like being the lobster where you're mulching in a way <clears throat> to do the second it, half of your life. It does feel like a molting process. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I spent decades doing my best to impress those around me and be who I thought they wanted me to be, um, be it family members, professionally, friends, partners. And uh, it's an incredibly liberating experience to uh, spend a little more time both with my uh, Zen practice, which is a tool I use Mm. to help me uh, continue to discover who this, who this man is I've been, uh, I've, I've become and who is it that's still inside and emerging? Well, you you um, 
You got the message early in life that uh, the job was to impress. To impress. You know, and to, to, to create an external sort of uh, good-looking uh, experience and uh, that people could see. And you've now, in your mulching process, uh, kind of slowly let go of that and begun the process of sort of going inside. That's exactly it. And and I was taught, uh, and it wasn't a, an, an implied way to be. It was verbally expressed repeatedly mm. throughout my childhood, teenage years, and well into my 20s that um, perception was everything. Right. That was your training. That was the training. That was the message, uh, how people perceived you. Um, your job is to impress them, to uh, acquire things so, that, so you looked good. So I looked good on the outside. And I truly became uh, a chameleon, mm. depending on who was in front of me. Mm. Mm. And it is not, I for me, uh, it is not a very satisfying or, or comfortable way to live. Right, you became the impression, and the internal world was very different. Very, and very it was painful. Different. It was very painful. It was indeed for a long time. It was almost as if you 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 put the really beautiful paint on the house, and the house looks good from the outside, but there was a lot of uh, um, problems on the inside of the foundation of the house. Just please don't come in. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Please don't come in. Don't 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 look inside me, <clears throat> and that that usually means that a lot of things uh, in your life become more and more painful. Yes, and and um, you know one of the first uh, times that I began to notice, because it was really the way I thought one was supposed to live. Mm, mm. I truly believed it, mm. and. Um, Take the biggest example and the, and the first one that really hit me and I lived with in pain for decades, a couple of decades, was um, marrying uh, the woman who was my high school sweetheart. Mm -hmm. We had gone our separate ways during university and uh, got back together. And I tell people all the time, uh, She's an incredible human being that mm. I love to this day mm. with all my heart. Mm. Do anything in the world for her. Mm. However, we never should have been married. Mm. And I truly did it because I thought I had to. Right, it was part of the impression. Part of the impression, which is that you you uh, do the university, you get a career, you 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 do that, then you get married, then you you know you create a homestead, you you do those things. Those are just automatic. That's what we do. Mm -hmm. And and what I do give myself credit for these days, although not the way I went about it. Mm. was uh, asking for a divorce. Mm. You could feel that it didn't, it wasn't right. I knew it wasn't right for either one of us. Mm. And as odd as it may sound, it was my deep 
caring for her mm. uh, that mm. really spurred it. Yeah, that you knew that you were, you know, struggling with the in, the external and the internal world, this duality, and that you really couldn't be loving with that conflict. I couldn't. You know, I was and, incapable. Right. And so you had to, in a way, kind of release her. It was like a uh, important part of your process of letting go of the impression that message. Yes. And, uh, and again, I, 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 uh, spent two decades, a mm. little over two decades, mm. um, in absolute agony and pain, mm. both for the loss, but more to the point, to the way I went about it. Right. Right. That you, Hurt her in an effort to re, to to release her. Yes, and and didn't have the fortitude, the courage, right. the integrity, the integrity to be honest. Mm, mm, mm. Um, that was part of the impression mm, uh, mm, uh, mm. way of living that I was taught. Right, right, right. We don't. Um, I was taught do not uh, directly. Deal with things. Right. right. And don't, and particularly don't deal with the pain. Don't deal with the pain. Because everything is supposed to be a cover-up in a way to be impressive. You know, so you avoid, you avoid the conflict that you were having inside the relationship. It was so painful that you had to do something that would release her that was painful to her. And now you have that shame. And, and there was an awful lot. You know, I was unfaithful. Mm -hmm. Um mm. Some place in my subconscious, hoping I got caught, mm, so mm. it would mm. then I'd be cast aside mm, mm. and therefore avoid any conflict. I mean, this was the twisted logic that was going on in my mind. Right. If I got caught, if I got caught having affairs with other people and so on and so forth, then I could really release her because I loved her. Right. Um, and be the bad guy. Almost. And be the bad guy. And also expose that what was going on inside of you was torturous and painful. And I think part of it was a cry for help. Mm. Mm. That I am in pain. I don't know what to do. Mm. I don't want to even talk about it. Mm. But I need to get it out. Mm. Yeah, I need to release it in some way. And it's almost like I had to force myself to a, almost a spiritual awakening or, or, or some kind of very serious, serious pain. And then I might, at that point, release the truth. You just summed up what I could not have put so eloquently then. Mm. My, my plan. Mm. That was my internal plan, mm -hmm. that if I cause myself mm. so much pain mm. that it becomes evident to those around me, mm. then perhaps, mm. perhaps I can get to a place where I can then be forgiven mm. and forgive myself. Right. But yeah. until that point, I was hell-bent. 
mm. on torturing myself right. as much as I could possibly stand. Yeah. And it took you right to the edge. Right and to the very edge. Yeah. You had to start thinking about suicide and yes. And hurting yourself and yes. wishing sometimes that the car would slip over to the side of the road and it fall would off. be such a relief. Right. It was so painful. And the painfulness between this part of this message that you got as a man and in your family was, you know, be impressive. And inside you were not impressive at all. You were shamed and felt like I'm not even authentic. Not authentic, not deserving mm. of of love. Of love, right. Not deserving of uh, approval even. Mm. 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 Um, and it's so difficult to try and explain to, to uh, folks. Mm. Uh, and I'm truly just beginning to find people that I, I can be open with them about mm. and, and about this whole process. Mm. Um, it's, a, it's a remarkable part, isn't it, to, to, to start to find social capital, to find people. To find that uh, cadre of people that uh, can get it, they they they, they understand it. They uh, they have empathy for the struggle because they know it, because they know it as well. And um, I uh, used uh, alcohol mm. to numb my pain, mm. but also. Mm. Intellectually knowing it was not a healthy way to deal with mm. uh, my pain and uh, mm. my emotion. Mm. Uh, knowing that it may. Mm. And I have to say there were periods of my life where it was a strong hope that it may just kill me. Right, right. I mean, it was part of the systematic suicide that you were hoping for because it was just so painful. And that almost, in, in, in your case, uh, you know, it became self-medicative between the tear, between the parts of you that were internal, that, that wanted to be something different than this impressive person. And you could feel the conflict so strong that alcohol was a really good medication. And, and it was. It worked for a little while. Until it did not. Right. And I, not knowing what else to do, mm. doubled my efforts. Mm. Uh, to drink more. To drink more. And to, to get closer to death. To get closer to death. Um, and, you know, it, uh, it, it created a spiral mm. where I would hurt more people that I cared about. Mm-hmm. Feel more pain, mm. more shame, mm. and feel the need to numb it more. Mm. It was only you could feel that. I loved your word spiral. You know, you could feel this kind of uh, cycle, you know, that was sort of like it take more, bring more shame to myself, take more. Bring, you know, that's the progressive nature of it. You can feel it, you know, you can feel like it's just taking me down into a deeper, deeper, deeper hole. Uh, where where I, I have to face my own life if it is. Uh, what am I doing? Who am I? Who am I? 
I used to fantasize uh, as a young college student that uh, I was Jack Kerouac's illegitimate son mm -hmm. <laughs> and that I was just living out my destiny. Mm -hmm. And, um, of course, Jack died of complications of alcoholism. Yeah. And uh, there were large stretches of time in my life mm. where that was perfectly okay with me. Yes, yes. And waking up each day was incredibly painful. Yeah, because you're in that conflict again between the parts of you that were supposed to impress the world and just not being able to do it anymore. And not being able to do it. And, then no, and not knowing what, what else do I have? Who am I? What, what am I about? And, um, you know, I'm an adopted son of somebody that's not, that, that's a whisper, you know, and I, yes. don't, and I don't even know who the, who, who the hell am I? And I, and, and, uh, I might as well die because actually I've caused so much pain to not only myself, but to the people around me. The people I care about and love. And deeply love. And, and, you know, leaving this earth uh, became a very viable option. Yes. Yes. And in, it's interesting because what's been happening as of late, having um, struggled with my, my alcoholism and my recovery and pushing myself uh, earlier this year and early 2021 to a uh, physical, mental, and spiritual breaking point. Mm. Um, mm. I knew about the internal parts. Those were quite painfully aware to me. The doctors let me know a little more clearly how close I came yeah. to physically dying. And something happened to me. Mm. Um, I do not have uh, the insight nor the ability to express exactly what it was. Mm. It's a but there was a voice inside of me that said, I'm going to give this one more shot. <laughs> that perhaps... Mm. Perhaps if I try things a little bit differently mm. and I am honest about it, drop the facade, mm. I can't hold it up anymore. Mm. I just can not do it. You could feel the whisper that said, you know, you have a chance if you focus on that internal world. Let go of the facade and really ask for help. Really put the people around you that you could possibly love well. Yes. Yes. I. A big part of it for me uh, has been, and I remember uh, I, I was homeless at the time. I had been evicted from my apartment for mm -hmm. not, not for being financially able to uh, to pay, I was doing that. I was a liability. Mm, mm. I truly was. Uh, and I had been bouncing around hotels um, 
for about five weeks. Mm. And um, that voice that mm. you were talking about, that voice, that whisper mm. inside of me. Mm. Or I, I woke up one morning and I could feel it more mm. than hear it. Mm. You're here for a reason. Mm. There are parts of you I really like. Mm. The parts that I've been kept, mm. that I've been burying, mm. that I've been pushing down. Mm. That you've been medicating. As part of that mm. facade, as part of that mm. uh, uh, effort to, to put forth this image. Mm. And I have to also say that uh, I've known for decades mm. now that the image that I thought I was portraying mm. wasn't flying with most people. Right, right, right. They could see something else. Right. And and they could feel you, you know, you said earlier, please don't come in. Please you, don't come in. So they could feel something. They could, they could see the outside, but they knew that you were constantly putting a small wall up, a defense that said, please, please don't come in. And that is fueled mm. fueled the continued desire to numb mm. Uh, mm. to anesthetize myself mm. against the pain it caused and, and and what happened in that hotel room when you started to wake up there was a there was a whisper you know you're talking about a whisper that was right there that said i love parts of you can we can we allow that part to come? Can we bring the internal parts of you that love well out into the open? And that is where I find myself today, mm -hmm. sitting in front of you. Mm -hmm. If you had surprised me with this conversation <laughs> even three months ago, mm -hmm. I would have done my very best mm -hmm to as politely and as quickly exit mm. the mm. building. Mm. I truly would have. Right. But I, the parts about myself that I truly mm. believe in, that I love about myself, mm. are the way I have felt love for others. Mm. My deep, deep desire mm. to help other people. Mm. Uh, I've always, ever since I can remember, even as a child, mm. having this realization that, that uh, I don't see what the, all this competition is about. <laughs> I just don't get it. Mm. Mm. Um, that we're all in this together. Why wouldn't we help each other? Right. And that's where I find joy. Right. Is helping each other. Finding atmosphere where people are helping each other. Finding places where you could love yourself and love others all at the same time. Or something you said earlier, which is to forgive myself. You know, and to forgive others. That process. And like so many things, the older I get, the more and more I realize mm. that it isn't a decision. Uh, it starts with that, mm. 
mm. to forgive myself. Mm. Um, but it is an ongoing process. Mm. Just like I believe loving another human being mm. is an ongoing process. And uh, who am I? Who would I be mm. to reflect or, or, or express my, uh, my care, my uh, love for another human being? If I'm not honest. Right. If I'm not authentic. authentic. If I'm not genu genuine to say, here is my vulnerability. Here's my vulnerability. And if I can say that, then I then I can demonstrate loving well. And that and that you've learned that now. It's uh it's no longer about competition. It's no longer about impression. It's no longer about some external um, shell that I have around myself. It's about the internal vulnerability. And that demonstrates loving well. And it's, uh, it's been an ongoing process. And it's been the last decade of my life mm -hmm. has led me to mm -hmm. this point. Mm -hmm. um, efforts to, to, to uh, deal with my alcoholism. Mm -hmm. Efforts to be more authentic. Mm -hmm. um, many of which have failed, mm. many of which have been uh, uh, hidden, uh, camouflaged, if, uh, I think is a better word, mm. by um, mm. just hints mm. at who I am, hints at how I feel. Right. right, and again, the messages were so consistent since you were little you know, that your job was to impress and the only once in a while you would leak out, you know, and, you know, today, you know, as we begin to think about finishing this up, about how well you loved even your childhood sweetheart, you know, to, to say, I release you because I don't know how to love. I only know how to impress and I'm caught in a very deep, deep conflict between the part of me that is impressive and the other part of me that you know, feels like I'm disingenuous, that I'm a liar, that I'm, that I'm filled with shame. Yes. And I've that conflict and uh, somewhere, somewhere in those hotel rooms, uh, you heard a whisper, almost a, a mystery, a spiritual, I don't know much about it. You said, uh, I know enough to know that it was a spiritual experience mm. because, as I mentioned, I felt it more than heard it. Yeah. Yeah. It came I right through you. It. You felt it right through your whole body, through your cell structure. Yes. And it was, and it was a whisper that says, uh, well, yeah, we're going to give you another chance. And we're going to allow you to uh, use the best parts of you to love well and to be helpful to others. And to be helped by others. And to be helped by others. To open up and remain uh, remain open to accepting mm. and giving mm. and to remain curious. That That is where I am today and it's mm. a wonderful place to be. Yeah. It sort of leaves us with the, the serenity prayer in a way. To, it does. To accept the things I cannot change and to have the courage to love well and to understand the difference between the two. And uh, I feel so fortunate 
to have that one more chance. Yeah. Yeah. And embrace it. Thank you for this. This is a, a quite beautiful song that you've sung in to, to describe you. And I really appreciate it. Um, it's touched my heart uh, about you're doing this so that other people might hear, might hear the whisper. Well, Stephen, thank you very much for the surprise and and for the opportunity to uh, practice being authentic. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's conversation. And I hope you enjoyed it. If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you find your podcasts. I'd like to give a heartfelt thanks to all the contributors to Agape Inc. for their support in making this podcast possible. If you care to join us, please go to DignityMain.com to get involved. Thank you. Thank you again for being here. And take good care.